Hello, folks. Dr. Maurice Selby here, medical director, producer, and co-host of Health in Harlem on WHCR 90.3 FM and the Health in Harlem podcast. While we strive to bring you the most up-to-date, reliable, evidence-based information to help you live the healthiest life possible, this show does not substitute for an evaluation by a trained and licensed medical professional. It is highly recommended that any advice or recommendations on medications, treatments, nutrition, fitness, preventive services, etc. be implemented under the guidance and supervision of your primary medical provider or appropriate specialist. With that said, we hope that you enjoy and learn from our program, and please be sure to let us know how we can best serve you in future shows. Hello, ladies and gentlemen of the listening audience. My name is Maurice Selby. I am Anastasia. And you're listening to the one and only Health in Harlem on WHCR 90.3 FM New York, the voice of Harlem, and the Health in Harlem podcast featured on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Pandora, uh, pretty much everywhere these days. And one more person actually is here, um, one of our uh, I guess we could say staff members on a program. You want to uh, chime in, Amani? Mm-hmm. Hello, my name is Amani. All right. And Amani is here, ladies and gentlemen. So if you hear like slurping in the background, she has a smoothie in her hand. You might hear some funny stuff, but that's Imani. As you all know, um, <laughs> she is a valuable member of the program and brings a lot of good energy and morale. But she said she promised to be you know, relatively uh, quiet while we do this. So just giving you guys the heads up. But uh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is January and it is National Glaucoma Awareness Month. With that said, that is going to be our topic tonight. And we have joining us Dr. Neha Sheikh. She is an assistant professor of ophthalmology at Mount Sinai uh, in New York City, of course. And she came to really just share some very important information Uh, with us because, ladies and gentlemen, there are more than 3 million people in the United States out there that have glaucoma. And according to the National Eye Institute, they project that that number will reach 4.2 million by 2030, um, which is essentially a 58% increase, right? So we're going to see more people developing this and uh, just really something that we we really need to think about um, because we've talked about some quote unquote silent illnesses in the past, hypertension, uh, we talked about colon cancer and those polyps that grow right uh, over time to become cancerous growths and that can be potentially dangerous. We don't even know they're there. And this is another one of those conditions that we really just have to have the awareness of uh, so that we can prevent prevent this all. Um, so welcome to the show, Dr. Shake. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Well, all the numbers you quoted were all right. So all right. you're already on, on point. All right. I completely agree with you. With, yeah, yeah. So thank you for having me here and letting me talk on the show. Our pleasure. And ladies and gentlemen, we go way back. Um, Dr. Shake and I went to medical school together. We participated in uh, some pre-med programs together. And, uh, you know, she's just here with us to really just give us this solid information. And so thank you for taking the time out. Um, And just of note, ladies and gentlemen, it's a weekend, right? So she really took the time out of her schedule to share this information with us. And we really, really appreciate it. 
Um, so let's jump right in. What is this disease? What is glaucoma? Why is it something that we really need to think about and, and know about? Yeah, that's a good question. So glaucoma basically happens when you have high eye pressures that your eye can sustain. So um, if you can imagine just having a blood pressure high in your body that can cause a lot of end organ damage, like, you know, brain damage, heart damage, kidney damage, the same thing happens in your eye. If the pressure is above normal for your body, for your eyes, it can cause loss of the nerve and that can cause loss of vision. And unfortunately, glaucoma is irreversible, meaning you cannot bring the vision back once it's gone. The most scary part about glaucoma is most of the time it's silent. You know, you don't even know you have glaucoma until it's too late. And that's the scariest part. So it's hard to convince people to understand that, you know, you really need regular checkups once you're age 40 and above to detect this disease before it gets that worse. Um, so I think that's the struggle we all have. Um, and by the time patients realize that they are having some vision problems that's from mm -hmm. advanced glaucoma, it's too late, you know. So basically, in, in a nutshell, if I have to give you a definition of glaucoma, it will be a high pressure situation in the eye causing nerve damage and vision loss. Okay, so we have that that uh, critically important nerve, ladies and gentlemen, the optic nerve, um, which allows us, right, it takes this sort of visual sensory information, all of the pretty colors that we're seeing in the environment, Amani's beautiful hair next to me, um, all of that <laughs> information coming in and going through those nerves into our brains and sort of being interpreted as these images. Um, and so what you're telling us, Dr. Shake, is that, that that nerve essentially becomes damaged because of those high pressures. Exactly, exactly. exactly. And there's only a limited amount of nerves that you're born with. So once you damage those, you know, with this high pressures, it's not you know, reborn. So you lose it, you know, and it's basically that essential cable that you have between the eye and the brain to see the world. If that cable is gone, you can't reborn it or remake it. It's just that's the end of it. And we don't have any advanced research right now to like, you know, transplant the nerve or do anything else to protect our eyes or bring the vision back. So it's very, very important to like preserve that nerve that we have, that cable that we have that connects the eye and the brain. So how, how are we clued into this even happening essentially right you said um you know i guess as far as signs and symptoms there's really not very many i guess until it's yeah. too late correct correct and when it's too late patients usually almost already have peripheral vision loss which that means basically patients can't really see on the sides so they notice this when they're driving they can't really see who's on their right side or who's on their left side they notice they're having more accidents or they're missing someone walking past them on the side. These are the things they slowly pick up. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when they come in to be seen. And by that time, they already have so much loss of the side vision and they only have a tunnel vision that's left in the center. And that's unfortunately for a lot of people, that's the first sign they come in with. Otherwise, you know, it, on a routine eye exam, it's just the high eye pressure that we see or the way the nerve looks. There's a characteristic appearance of the nerve we look for on an eye exam, which can only be done by an eye clinic. So those are the ways we can see and tell you that you have some signs of glaucoma. Otherwise, it's just loss of peripheral vision, which is too late anyways by the time patients realize. So how do people not realize, and this is something that was always hard for me to grasp. Um, uh, right talked about this in, in yeah. the past on the program and um, just sort of this gradual, you know, loss of uh, peripheral vision. How does this happen where people, do they know that this is happening or do they realize it? Or does it get to a point where they just like all of a sudden they come in and, and it's that bad? 
So peripheral vision goes up to 110 degrees. Okay, so a lot of the time when we're seeing straight ahead, you have a central degree of 30 degree of vision. So patients relatively think they're okay and the central vision is perfect, 20-20. So they, they think, okay, I can see really good far away. I can watch the TV. So they don't think there's anything happening to the side vision. And once the side vision from 110, which is far away, comes slowly close to the center and it interferes with the central vision, within 30 degrees, that's when they realize something's happening. So it's a lot about the side vision, you know, which we take it for granted most of the time. Um, and most of our brain function and everything that we see, the Crips colors, all the world that we're seeing is mainly in the center where you have most of the functional activity of the retina. So, um, you know, patients mainly rely on that. They don't really think about the side vision. Or another scenario is if someone is a really good driver, they notice these changes early on because you're losing the side uh, peripheral vision when they're trying to take, you know, changing their lanes, for example. Um, or if they live with multiple people in the house, they can bump into people or bump into walls. That's how, that, you know, it can show up like that too in some patients. So that's when they realize. Um, and already, if they're realizing at that point, it's too late in the game, you know. So it's very important to come in early get the check done so we can avoid that damage. So as far as, um, you know, I guess the biggest thing that you're saying here is that we have to go in for these regular eye exams. It's really going to, the only way we're going to know what that we have this increased pressure in our eyes. Got Correct. It. That is absolutely right. Yep. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, and, and this goes back, you know, the connection that I'm drawing here is we've talked about hypertension in, in the past, right? Very similar because- We've talked about over time, right? A lot of times people are walking around with elevated blood pressure and don't even know it. They're, you know, having fun. They're going to work. They're being productive. They are enjoying time with family and friends. Um, sometimes they're engaging in bad habits and would, that could even increase the blood pressure fur further. But one thing that we do know is that over time, Daddy. gradually there is damage being done to organs in your body. Um, especially the brain, the kidneys, your heart. Um, and then those things manifest later on as strokes, heart attacks, kidney damage or dysfunction. And so this is a very similar process in that this elevated pressure in the eyes over a long period of time, gradually eating away at that nerve, right? That's how individuals end up, um, you know, in the later stages, walking into walls, as Dr. Sheikh said, um, having car accidents. So really just having such decreased peripheral vision that they are essentially uh, uh, disabled. And ladies and gentlemen, just of note, right? Put this in your brains. We are talking about the second yeah, leading yeah, cause yeah. of legal blindness yeah, in the country. Yeah. So that's that's why this is such a, a really <laughs> important topic. Yeah. Correct, right, Mani? Yeah. Yes. Oh my goodness. Thank you for your emphasis oh. on that point. Um, <laughs> and just to add uh, something extra, actually second leading cause of blindness also in the whole world too. So it's something that we have wow. to like really... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something that we should be aware of. And I'm glad we're talking about this today. So you mentioned how um, this, that people that should get regular checkups are, especially for this disease, are 40 and above. How often do you recommend that they do go get their eyes checked? Um, and how often would you recommend for people that are younger to go get their eyes right. checked for everything? Right. So that's a great question. So anyone who is 40 and above and do not have any pre-existing eye problems, I would recommend once every year. And let's say when they go for the eye exam, depending upon what they see on the eye exam, 
meaning what the eye pressure is, what the prescription is, and what the back of the eye looks like, meaning retina and the nerve. Um, it may be every year annual checkup for a follow-up, or it may be every six months just to keep a close eye for a possible glaucoma um, that can start in the future. So it depends upon the eye exam. But minimum is every one year for anyone who's 40 and above. For someone who's younger, there's a less of a risk of glaucoma um, compared to an older person. Um, but younger patients, I would say one in every two years would be good just to make sure they don't have any, uh, you know, anything that's developing in terms of their prescription or any tumors that can happen sometimes or retinal tear or detachment. These are the bigger issues in a younger population. Unless if a younger person has a trauma or some eye trauma, you know, they, they are in a motor vehicle accident or something like that, that can actually cause or increase the risk of having glaucoma in a young patient. So in those situations, I would highly recommend, even if you don't have any eye problems, your vision is still fine, just get a baseline eye exam if you're a young patient. That way we'll know if your pressure is high and we can quickly manage you sooner. And and that's essentially, I was going to ask a, a similar question because, you know, in my younger non-parenting, like no responsibility years, right. <laughs> I was flexible, right? Uh, I definitely remember, and now yeah. I wear contacts and, and, you know, I have corrective lens yeah. glasses and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I would walk around and just deal with it yeah. right? unless I had a real complaint or something that really drove me to see um, an optometrist or an ophthalmologist. It was there was no reason for me to go. Um, but now it's something that, well, because of my prescriptions, I have to go regularly. But um, you're saying even for individuals right with no uh, complaints, no issues, they sh still should go in at some point and have this exactly. regular screening. Exactly. Because, you know, um, another point I should mention is 2020 vision for someone is a central vision. There are two types of vision. So it's the center vision as well as the side vision, like I was talking about the peripheral vision. Sometimes you can still have a retina problem, which is basically like how I like to explain my patients is the engine of your eye. If you imagine your eye to be like similar to a car, it's the engine. So if your engine is damaged, it can't really function. So the engine, the retina, it can tear in the corner, in the periphery. And your vision still can be 2020, quote unquote, in you know, in the beginning. And suddenly you can have a sudden vision loss. So that can still happen in young patients who have high prescriptions. Um, so at least for that reason, I would highly recommend, even if you feel fine, your eyes are fine, just get it checked once in every two years. It'll definitely serve you good. And hey, it's a quality of vision, you know, quality of life. We all want to see. We all want to see in this Seriously. And have a happy life, not be depressed. So definitely, please do it. <laughs> please go yes. for regular exams. So, so are there any uh, individuals that are at higher risk from developers, uh, developing uh, glaucoma or this increased pressure in the eye? I know you mentioned individuals, um, right, as we age, sort of that risk increases. But are there any, are there any other high-risk populations or risk factors that one should be mindful of so that they know that they have they might have an increased risk of this and therefore um, get appropriate yeah. screening? Right. A lot of the research studies that they have done trying to figure out what are the risk factors, given this is one of the second most common reason for blindness in the whole world. Um, the first thing they came up with was family history. You know, anyone who has a history of blindness in their family, find out if it's glaucoma related. Are they taking drops? Did they recently have surgeries? These can matter. You know, the progression of the disease also matters based on what your family history was. How did the family responded to the glaucoma treatment and the surgery? So family history is one of those top on the list. 
Number two is having an eye pressure, which is above normal range. Normal range is anywhere between 8 and 22 for most people. Again, it's statistics. So it's just a number based on a lot of majority of people, what's normal for them. Um, so anytime you have a pressure more than 22, you know, get it checked. So that could be a higher risk for glaucoma. Number three will be having a thickness. So we all check for the thickness on the front of the eye, which is a very transparent, very clear window. We call it cornea. So that thickness also matters for this recent studies. So having a thin cornea will increase your risk of having glaucoma. And number four, age. Anyone who is above age 40 is another risk. Number five, sometimes they think diabetes could be a coexisting risk factor that can increase the risk of um, you know, having glaucoma. Um, but it's still controversial, that risk factor. But at least the first four I have mentioned are the most important risk factors we should look out for. And so for yeah. these individuals, are these people that would get uh, maybe more regular screenings or even if they were under 40, let's say with a family history, a strong family history, they have their mother and father that were diagnosed yep. with glaucoma, maybe a, a, you know, a sibling, they maybe should be yeah. screened a little bit sooner. Absolutely. So that would be easier for them to have this, you know, check up every year. So, so they should, so they should get that, that, uh, exactly. I guess more frequent screening or screening at an earlier age. Um, based on those risk, risk factors. So you mentioned all these risk factors in which um, people should really look out for in order to um, figure out if they might have a chance of getting it later on in life. And I was wondering what provider would they go to in order to really um, get tested for or get screened for this? Yeah, excellent question. So um, every state, you know, and every town has their own little number of ophthalmologists. And as you know, we don't have that many numbers. We still are looking for more ophthalmologists and optometrists to cover the town and have enough access for patients. Um, I think having optometrists and ophthalmologists really on board on this is really being helpful for us. Um, so patients for the initial screening can go to an optometrist. Um, I know we have so many uh, centers all across New York for optometrists. Cohen's is number one. I remember before becoming an uh, ophthalmologist myself, I used to go to them for my initial screening exam. So Cohen's and all these places are really excellent in that terms of access to the eye care, um, quick screening access. And then we also have another arm, which is ophthalmologists. These are MDs who have actually gone to med school and done four years of med school and four years of special eye care uh, you know, training. So they can also do your screening exams. And we have, even in ophthalmologists, actually, we have different subspecialties. So the initial screening is usually done by a comprehensive ophthalmologist who can do everything from the front of the eye to the back of the eye. So they can initially screen you, do a quick pressure check, make sure your nerve is looking okay. And if needed, or if they feel like you have an advanced glaucoma or something like that, God forbid, then they will send you to a glaucoma specialist who has an additional one to two years of training of medically treating glaucoma as well as surgically treating glaucoma. So that will be the end um, provider to take care of glaucoma patients. So it sounds as though, um, at least in terms of initial screenings or trying to figure out if you actually have it or might be a risk of having it, it seems like there's widespread access to it with both um, ophthalmologists and optometrists having the ability to do that. Yep, that is correct. Yeah. Next time I go yeah. get an eye exam because I have to change my glasses soon, definitely going to ask them to screen for that too. Yes, 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 please. This might be a, mm -hmm. a bit tough just because um, as far as getting access to this, you know, in terms of, um, you know, we talked about how important it is for preventive care and really getting in for these exams. Um, so do you have any sort of um, idea or, or input as far as the barriers? Because one thing, 
you know, that I think really keeps people from getting this done is one, you know, whether or not their insurance covers something like this, or if they have sort of eye care included in their plans. Um, And two, if you're coming out of pocket for this, finding an affordable way to sort of get these exams. um, Have you sort of encountered those challenges, um, especially in New York City? And and what have has been done, I guess, to to over overcome those challenges and really get people access to this? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, In the past, it used to be the insurance. But honestly, these days, I'm noticing all the insurance plans have at least a basic eye care exam included. Um, So basic, you know, vision, dilation is always included as an annual eye exam care. So that's been great um, in terms of healthcare. Number two is for the patients to know which providers to go to. Just like Anastasia has asked me the question before, who should I go to for my screening? Patients don't really know who they can approach in terms of this, uh, you know, eye care or the screening. Number three, what I have noticed is um, even if they do show up, they don't really process the whole understanding of you know, an eye that can have problems too. They feel like eye is a small organ and they're still seeing fine 2020. So they don't really need a full eye care until it's too late. Um, I have seen a lot of diabetic retinopathies, young patients, 40, 45, going blind totally just for the same reason, ignorance or not being aware, not being told that this can be irreversible damage, you know, taking it for granted. I think that's been the biggest hurdle I have been seeing in my practice. Um, I take time whenever I see my patients to explain them what issue they have right now and what will happen if they don't come back to me or follow up with me. Um, And I think that's been helpful to bring these patients back. And a lot of the time I notice these patients are like, oh, you explain me this. You explain me what a diabetic retinopathy is, how I can lose complete vision in the next few years, which no one else has explained. So I think that's another barrier. They're just not being aware. Um, They're not educated about this. So. You know, program like yours, trying to educate all these people and making them aware is great opportunity, I think, for these patients to seek the care they need. Um, so, no, you know, it's so clutch. Great. Yeah. It's yeah. so clutch because um, I, I feel like, you, you know, one thing that I think happens, unfortunately, is that we have the assumptions that, uh, you know, with, with the trends that we see and in increases, increasing obesity, right, increasing diabetes, we see that uh, at least what's forecast as far as um, increasing incidence of glaucoma. And it almost seems like, almost seems like people don't care about their health, right? Um, some of the bad habits that we might have or or not so good habits, um, but that's completely <laughs> false. And, and from the conversations, just like you said, that your patients tell you that they appreciate, right? Um, you sharing this knowledge with them and, and sort of counseling them, educating them um, about diabetic retinopathy, about glaucoma, um, we definitely get feedback from our listening audience about people sort of being in the know about this. And so really exactly. that's the thing is that people are passionate about their health, you know, and we, we really have to just find a way to sort of meet get them half, halfway. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. and unfortunately, you know, with, uh, you know, this is something that's probably not going to start with just us, but, uh, ladies and gentlemen, there's definitely some opportunities with, uh, you know, some of the, the changes that are taking place in our government, um, you know, right now with our new president that's soon to be uh, sworn in, we got to get out there and let them know that, hey, you're part of the ACA, right? If we're going to repair this, and I'm sorry, I got to put my political <laughs> viewpoints out there. This is independent of health and harm, ladies and gentlemen, but I'm just saying that, hey, put your vote where your where your mouth is. Um, and let's, let's see if we can get this included in um, the Affordable Care Act, right? As one of those uh, sort of required uh, plans, right? Something that is mandated by the ACA. 
Um, it is for children. That's the one thing. So children under the age of 19, vision coverage is included on all new individual health insurance plans. Unfortunately, it's not not the case with adults. I, I never understood why they're separate. Why? Uh, because, you know, like your eyes are really important. We depend a lot, right, on our eyesight. And, our and a lot mm-hmm. of what we do um, is tailored to being used with our eyes, right? Like driving, you can't do it if you are, you know, you can't see. And if you live in an area where you do not have the robust MTA system like you do in New York City, how are you going to get around? How are you going to do, how are you going to fulfill all the basic necessities that you need to do? Um, Like going to get groceries, picking up your medications, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, like for me, it's, I, I think that people should go get their eyes checked, definitely should. I'm pretty sure that I could have avoided getting a high prescription if I went to an eye doctor earlier in my life. So um, it's definitely important to go get your eyes checked. Uh, I learned the hard way. So don't be like me. (laughs) Don't be like me either. (laughs) Thank Um, you. Yeah. As far as getting this done, right? So let's say we've gotten past those barriers, right? The um, uh, we're able to get into the the clinic to see the doctor and we're in a chair. How is this being done? How are we checking this pressure? Um, how are we checking the back of the eyes to see what's going on and whether or not a person has evidence of that uh, damage if they did have any uh, increased pl- pressure in the eye? What is exactly happening? How is it done? Well, and also before that is like, do we have to tell the doctor or the optometrist? Do we have to tell them like, we want to get this checked? Or is it something that they should be doing? Yeah, great questions both. Um, so Anastasia, I'll answer your question first. For optometrists, it's mainly about an initial screening based on the pressure. So they do def- definitely check your pressures, they check your refractions, and they just ask you general questions if you have any new symptoms. But I think for optometrists, as far as I remember going back to many years ago, it's dilation is an optional exam. So they will still do an undilated eye exam. And with that undilated eye exam, they can see the nerve only you won't be able to see the retina unless you give them the consent to go ahead and do a dilation. And that's an additional fee with an optometrist. Um, so you give them certain fee, I forgot what the fee is, and then you get your full dilation eye exam. So you have to ask them for a dilation full exam unless your symptoms, like you know, you walk in with a symptom, let's say a sudden loss of vision or retinal problem, floaters, flashing light, then they will automatically go ahead and dilate you. So that's optometrist part. Ophthalmologists, on the other hand, we have this annual routine annual eye exam, just like a routine annual physical exam for a medical doctor. So the first time you visit that doctor, you're getting your refraction done, you're getting your eyeglasses done, you're getting your pressures checked, and automatically you are being dilated. So even if you ask or not, do not ask, we automatically go ahead and tell you this is your first visit and it's an annual visit. We would like to do a complete eye exam and that includes dilation and that's part of your insurance plan. So that will be done for sure. And based on the full eye exam, we will know if you have glaucoma or not. Okay. And going back to Dr. Selby's question, how do you determine if someone has glaucoma or not? The first thing would be checking the pressures. And for checking the pressure, it's a very simple system, just like a, you know, some people use like a pen system. Some people use like a air puff. Um, some people use like a tiny touching system. But again, you won't feel a thing. You don't even know this being touched, but it kind of just touches your eye very gently and takes the pressure inside the eye. Like just che- checking the pressure inside a balloon, for example, kind of like that is very gentle. Um, that's one thing we notice for and number two is we dilate the eyes and we check the nerve itself we 
take a very detailed eye exam and we see how big the nerve is. So the smaller the nerve, the normal it is, the larger the nerve size, it will be bigger. And we have certain you know, characteristics in our head what to look for in terms of the nerve shape and the size. And if you see any concerning shape and sizes, that's when we go for another additional testing that will give us an idea if you have a side vision loss, which is a peripheral visual loss. So all of this together, we put the pieces together and we tell you, I'm sorry to say you have glaucoma, it's a progressive disease, but we can control it just like we can control the blood pressure. We can bring the vision back, which is lost, but at least our goal will be to make sure you don't have further loss of your vision. So we have to control this disease process. And the only way to control, the only thing we have in control out of all the risk factors that I have mentioned before is the pressure control. So we focus on controlling the pressures. And that's the only one way we know we can handle it. Um, usually the treatment, now that we started this topic, let me go over the treatment very briefly. The treatment, first thing we, is very simple eye drops. You know, there's so many eye drops this day and age um, in 2021, actually, that we have so many options. The first one we can do is just one drop a night and it can keep your pressures down by 30%. Um, so it's as simple as that. Sometimes we need to add two or three eye drops. And sometimes if you feel like even after doing all these eye drops, it's not adequately controlling your pressures, simple laser treatments, which only takes hardly 10 minutes in the clinic, it can actually bring your pressures down and keep your nerves from getting damaged. So it's as simple as that. Now, once we finish all of these treatments, we continuously monitor every three months, every six months, just like a blood pressure check that you have for medical doctors, we continuously monitor you to see if these medications and laser treatments are controlling you really well. If they aren't and there are new changes, then we definitely recommend a surgical route. Um, and there are two types of surgeries, which is very simple. One is very simple, very minimally invasive, 10 minutes procedure. That's like a newest technology. Um, you won't even feel like, you know, we were there in the OR for a long time and it can control your pressures really well. The end stage would be obviously traditional type of surgery, which not many people need if you control your glaucoma really well. But that can be done as well. Um, so these are the treatment plans. Again, to emphasize that this day and age, we have so many options, so easy to control once you know you have it. Um, so the trickiest part is knowing that you have it. <laughs> yes. And then the yeah. follow-up though, right? Because even after you've yeah. been diagnosed, right? And I think, um, you know, like you said, if we find out that a person has um, this increased pressure and we see evidence of that nerve, that optic nerve being damaged from that pressure, um, and the retina, then we can say, hey, looks like you have glaucoma, right? We start the treatments, but that's not the end end all and be all, ladies and gentlemen. You still have to go back. This is just like we've talked about diabetes in the past. We've talked about hypertension or high blood pressure, right? Um, you know, taking uh, the medication and stuff. Yes, you're under treatment, but you have to go back to make sure, right? That nobody's going to know that the pressure's controlled or that there's no further damage if you don't go back. Right. It's not like you just got the diagnosis and now you just um, sort of, you know, wander into the sunset with your drops. Um, you have to go back to be reevaluated. Um, and I think that's probably something that's really uh, key as well. We can't just get lost in the sauce um, once, exactly. once that diagnosis is made. Exactly. Put it right. It's not cured. It's controlled. So the moment we don't control it, it just you know keeps getting worse. It's a progressive disease. So I'm glad you brought that up. Follow up is the key. Definitely. Dr. Sheikh, um, you know, we thank you very much for sharing this with us. I think it's, it's of paramount importance, um, as we said, especially being that this is among the leading causes of blindness. Um, ladies and gentlemen, for African-Americans right out there, this is the leading cause of blindness for 
uh, what I've read. Um, and so this is this is even more important, right? We got to get this uh, checked out. And, you know, if we were around during the days of Hippocrates, now this is an old disease. This has been around like with us uh, for the time that, that probably humans have been on this earth. But the fortunate thing, right? This is the age where we should just be so ecstatic to be alive. One, to know how to right, find this disease, diagnose it, and treat it because this was something that was taking people's vision away for centuries and it was really nothing that could be done. But now, um, as Dr. Sheikh had we said, said we, we have so many options. Um, but the first step is really, right, is one, knowing about this disease, two, getting in to get those um, eye exams on a regular basis. And then three, if you do have it, right, then we can move on to treatment and make sure that we can control it as best as possible and prevent that ultimate uh, uh, loss of vision. But with that said, Dr. Sheikh, what would you say is the most important thing that our listening audience should take away from tonight's program? Please, please, please go to your nearest eye clinic and get your eye exams done immediately right now. <laughs> immediately. I love it. Yes. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Yeah. Very important. Yes, yes. We all want to live a happy life and everything that we do in our life uh, is related to our visual quality. So, you know, I really want to see everyone happy and healthy and COVID free. And this could be one of the ways to, you know, lead a very successful and content life. So yes. please go get your exams done. <laughs> all right. Excellent. Thank you for that. We want to thank you again for joining us. Um, also, ladies and gentlemen, we want to send a shout out to the rest of the Health in Harlem team. Um, let them know that we love them and, you know, we just hope everybody's doing well. Um, I also want to thank my co-host Anastasia for joining us tonight. Yeah, I want to shout out Imani. She's actually doing pretty well right now. You probably haven't heard much. Um, so with that said, Imani, are you ready to, to close out the program? Yes, you are. Okay. Oh, actually, before that, ladies and gentlemen, we just asked that you write, um, continue to support Health in Harlem. Check us out on Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, you name it, we're pretty much on it. And also, we want you to support WHCR. Tune into 90.3 FM New York if you are in the New York City region. Um, and of course, you can te- check out www.whcr.org to listen to the live broadcast. And uh, we will be broadcasting uh, this show, as we always do, right? Every Thursday, 7 p.m., Health in Harlem airs on WHCR. So uh, check out WHCR. Of course, tune dial in to check Dad, out Health in Harlem. I don't and think yes. I can get this game. Oh, okay. Well, it's time to close out, and Daddy can help you get the game, okay? So you're going to say your line. You're going to ready? How take Thank you.